So Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honour him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And now we are going to turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 31, and that is on page 1138. And I'll be reading to the end of the chapter. So Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks, Mary, for reading, and uh, it's a joy to be with you uh, here this morning. Uh, I know that my work is cut out on New Year's Day, uh, with many people staying up uh, late last night. Um, I and my family were on... Are we on? Yeah, I think we're on. Um, we uh, were able to see the city just about, so if you went out of our house and stood on the picnic benches 
and slightly tilted your head to look around the tree, you could just about see half an arc of the fireworks going on. Uh, but that was just the 9 p.m. fireworks, and then we were uh, swiftly in bed, like all parents of young children, I think, making the most of a good night's sleep. Uh, but well done, you faithful few who have made it out on New Year's Day. And uh, good to be thinking the first day of this new year about security, about uh, the Lord's faithfulness to us in the past, and where we will place our confidence and our trust in the new year for the months ahead, and indeed for the rest of our lives. But do you need it? Do you need any more security than you already have? If you were to put yourself on a scale of naught to 10, naught being no security, 10 being most secure, where would you put yourself? And now I know as good Christians, you want to say 10, but really, how secure do you think you are? Well, good news for you, for if the internet is to be believed, Sydney ranks in the top five safest cities in the world. So there you go. Do you have anything to fear? Not really. You're there. You're secure. And moreover, the area that you live in, probably, if it's anywhere near here, is among the top half of that. So well done. Do you have anything to fear? Well, you carry keys, don't you? You've got a password on your phone, don't you? A code. Are you taking insurance, don't you? And even then, your data is at risk from corporate hacking. The investment, the pension, the vaccine offers only so much protection. And even then, you're just as much at risk as anyone from the tragedy when it strikes without warning and at random. How secure are we really? And as Christian believers, do we have anything to offer a world that spends billions on insurance and trying to keep themselves safe for another month, for another year? Do we have anything to boast about? Indeed, can we enjoy security? Well, stick with me in Psalm 91. It's page 597. Because the psalmist here in Psalm 91 wants to tell us how in times like his and in times like ours, where true security can be found. And let me lead us in prayer as we begin and look at God's word. Father God, in our neediness, in our weakness, as we look ahead to the future with so many unknowns, please might today you give us the assurance and comfort we need in you and in your words this morning. We ask for your help as we look at this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first thing we need to know is that history tells us that true security is elusive. History tells us that true security is elusive. I love reading history, and at every stage, in battles, in wars, in famines, in plague, there has been no truly secure point in history ever. You know, some of us like to look back at the golden age, or if only we could wind the clock back to, but there never has been a better time than now for security. And yet, even then, it's out of our grasp, isn't it? And the people of Israel 
knew this. The book of Psalms, the collection that we have, was written for the people who had just come out of exile in Babylon. And they knew, of all the people, that you cannot put your hope in kings. They have none. And you cannot put your hope in things. They have none. The security that they looked for on the horizontal had all gone. And you may know that the collection of the Psalms that we have now is a bit like a ski slope. Uh, we have five, five books that make up the Psalms. And in the beginning, book one, Psalms one and two, it looks so optimistic about the confidence that you can have in the Lord's anointed. And yet, as you read on through the Psalms, very quickly, halfway through, Psalms 88, 89, marking the low point, even then, the Lord's anointed, the king, cannot save, will let them down, indeed has let them down, and the people are in despair. And that's the context for our psalm here. We cannot put, the people of Israel cannot put their hope in kings, nor things. Now I wonder, is it, where will we be tempted to place our hope and our security? In politicians, the change of a new government? Well, the UK has tried that several times just over the last few months, hasn't it? Uh, uh, a new individual, maybe they are going to be the ones... No. Uh, what about a spouse? If only my spouse would complete me. If only I could have a spouse to protect me. Uh, what about a president? Someone who's just the champion of the people? No. We should learn from the wisdom of the Psalms and history. No king, even the best of humanity. No change in our horizontal situations will provide the true security that we need. For as we open up to Psalm 91, only in the Lord alone is there true security. Look with me at Psalm 91 and verses 1 and 2. Shelter and security is in the Lord and the Lord alone. The God of the Bible, the Almighty himself. Because, see, who is our God? Verse 1, he is the most high. See, clearly when the psalmist thinks of God, he has to use the superlative. High, higher, highest. How big is your problem? Well, the God of the Bible is bigger. And yet, despite his power, it is an attribute of the Lord, his faithfulness. His faithfulness, verse 4, that is shield and comfort to the psalmist. A dwelling place for all generations. God the creator from all eternity. He is faithful, eternal, unchanging. God changes things, but nothing can change God, you see. That's why he himself, and only himself, is the true, secure place. Dependable, safe. And we can know this security. You and I can know, can have this security. Look at verse 14. I will protect him, says the Lord, for he knows my name. The Lord is knowable. So do we know the Lord? The Lord who reveals his name, Yahweh. The Lord, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, 
abounding in love and faithfulness. You see, those who know the Lord depend on him for they know that he is dependable, faithful. His faithfulness is there, is our protection and security. And security we need, for there are so many things that are against this, aren't there? There are so many things that actually, if you're honest with yourself and with your heart, you think, this isn't very secure in my life. Uh, This bit is a little bit wobbly. I have deep insecurities. I don't feel like I'm completely satisfied and completely safe. If we're honest, each of us carry those as we look to to the future. Well, the psalmist does not have his head in the sand. He knows exactly what faces every human being on the planet. And he paints a picture. Actually, it's a bit of a horror picture as we look at this psalm. Psalm 91. He says, verse 3, the snare of the fowler. There is the deadly pestilence. There is the terror of the night. The arrow that flies by day, verse 5. See, the psalmist knows that whether targeted or random, night or day, there are disasters that, even to the modern economy, are unstoppable. Now, the psalmist was under no illusion. He's not naive. He doesn't think that you can walk into battle with a big round circle painted on your chest and expect to be invincible. No, the psalmist knows these threats real enough. But what the psalmist has is robust biblical theology. He knows God's plan of salvation right from the beginning to the end, and he knows that these threats that he has described are pictures, pictures of God's judgment on human sin and human rebellion. He's recalling that section from the law, Deuteronomy 28, 29, where the arrow, the invader, uh, the disease... The, the insecurity, all those are what happens when we turn our backs on God as every human being has done. So what is the psalmist saying? Well, the psalmist is saying that with the Lord himself as refuge, then we have a refuge from any judgment that creation could bring, but even more than that, than the Lord himself would ever bring. That is the eternal security that the psalmist describes. Did you notice that? It's 24-7, 360 degree protection. You see, night and day, the, the believer is protected. And we see this lovely little image there in verse 4 of how the Lord surrounds his people. Like an eagle sheltering her young. Protection as uh, the Lord spreads his wings over, completely surrounding his people, keeping them safe. And again, it's clear that the psalmist has the kind of protection that is much bigger than can ever be provided in the short-term horizontal plane. And again, we need biblical theology, a big picture of what God has said and God has done and what God is doing. From verse 13, uh, the psalmist imagines a complete reversal of the curse of sin just as was promised in Genesis chapter 3 
If we cast our minds back to the beginning of the Bible, we'll remember that Satan, in the form of a serpent, a snake, tempted humanity. Humanity followed that temptation, sinned, rebelled against the Lord, and now lives under the curse of death. But in Genesis 3.15, the Lord promised that there would be one who would come who would crush the serpent, crush Satan, and in so doing, defeat Satan, sin, and death forever. And look, verse 13, in Psalm 91, the psalmist says that there is the promise of the serpent trampled. The psalmist promises that in the Lord, only in the Lord, is there reversal of the curse, is there life in the place of death, is there security in the place of fear, and not just now, but forever. The return to paradise, a new renewed creation where there's nothing to fear, safety, real security is on offer. So we need to pause halfway through and ask, do we know this Lord, the faithful Lord, who made a promise right at the beginning of humanity, and who has been keeping his promise all the way through. He has shown time and time again his faithfulness. He has not forgotten his word. He has not, for, uh, he's not abandoned his word. Do we know the Lord? And at Christmas time, we remember the name of the Lord is revealed to us again, don't we? The name of the Lord is Jesus. The name that is above every name. And we see throughout this psalm, Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Yahweh, through whom security comes. We see him in verse 4, don't we? That, that picture, he will cover you with his pinions. Under his wings, we will find refuge. You know, I was at the cricket last week, and uh, towards the end of the 2020, when the, uh, the side Melbourne were slogging out, trying to get those runs, hitting it for six, one ball went high into the stands, and the crowd screams, don't they? Uh, catch it, catch it. And there was one guy, and he, and he held up hands, and I, and I knew this is, this is just not how you catch a cricket ball, right? Uh, and, he, and he held up his, his hands, and to the crowd's dismay, a huge groan went up around the, the stands. The ball was dropped. Oh! But as the camera was fixed on him and wanted to point out his embarrassment, he, he pulled back his arms. Uh, to reveal his son. And at that moment, our feelings changed. And I was thinking, well, I probably wouldn't have been a better catch, even if I had my hands out. But that is what every good father wants to do. You see, he could have been on, on the big screen taking a great catch, but he spread his arms out to shield his son. And in a, you know, that is such a small picture, isn't it? of what the Lord is describing here. For Jesus, when he came to Jerusalem, he cried out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would long to gather you as a hen gathers her brood. That's what Jesus loves to do, gather his people, and he says that to Jerusalem, to the city that is just about to cry for his crucifixion. And what does he want to do? He wants to shield them from the judgment that they themselves are bringing. You know, Jesus Christ, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. People who stand, because of our sin, facing the juggernaut of God's wrath. 
And what does Jesus long to do? Shield us. Stand in front of it. Gather us. Say, stop. Safety, security is found in the Lord Jesus alone. Jesus looks on us sinners and sees people, sees you, a people worth saving. For he came to bear our sin and our guilt, to defeat the devil's hold over us. And that's why, again, as we see uh, this Psalm 91, we see Jesus throughout. You might uh, remember, as you look down at verse 11 and 12, you might recognize those words. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Do those verses sound familiar to you? Those verses were used in the devil's mouth when Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. But Jesus was not like Adam. Jesus did not give him in to Satan, but Jesus triumphed over Satan, refusing to rebel, refusing to follow Satan's word, refusing to take up whatever the devil could offer, and in so doing, defeated him, defeated his hold. You see, if you're a Christian believer, you are no longer under the grip of Satan. You are in Christ and in his arms. So no longer under the grip of Satan, no longer under the curse of death, no longer under the condemnation of our sin, but under the loving care of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Almighty, the God who is from forever. Where does that leave us? Well, I'm so glad that we had Romans 8. Read it earlier, I think, every new year. should start with Romans 8, don't you? To remind us where the Lord has been bringing his people all along. To a place of no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And some of us will know that, that passage again and again and again. To remember the fully comprehensive 360 degree, 24-7 protection of the Lord. No enemy, no disaster, no height nor depth. Nothing in all creation, even the angels, can bring anything against the Lord and those he loves. Why? Because, you see, what do we have to fear but the judgment of the Lord? And when the judge himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, has taken that curse, and the Lord himself says not guilty, says to you, beloved, says to you, friend, who is there left who can challenge the Lord Jesus, the Lord, the Almighty, the Most High? You see, where is true security found? But in Christ and in knowing him. And that means, as we finish, if you know him, if he is your Lord, if you're crying out to him, saying, my refuge my God in whom I trust, then wherever you are in the world, you could be a believer in Berlin, Botswana, or Burwood, you are in the most secure place in the planet, for you are in Christ. And so as we, as we look ahead to a new year, there are going to be all sorts of fears on there. And of course, there are two wrong responses 
Uh, the first response is to fear. The psalmist, as he looks on the Lord's faithfulness, says, because the Lord is my refuge, we will not fear. Are you a fearful person? That's not a, that's not a criticism, for the Lord has made us all different. Some people are more risk-averse than others. And in the right context, that's a good thing. But we're not to be a fearful people, are we? Uh, we don't look on fear and be frightened. No, the psalmist, he looks on fear, the arrow that flies by day, and he says, do you know what? My confidence is in the Lord. For here's the thing. As a Christian believer, what is your worst case scenario? What is the worst thing that could happen to you? I'll tell you what that is. The worst thing that could happen to you is that you go to meet the Lord and spend eternity in glory. That is the worst thing that can happen to you. So when we're faced with fear, we do not fear. We trust in the Lord. But there's another wrong response, and that is to those who are more like hawks than doves, those who see the sun rising every morning and are just eternal optimists. Well, there are a lot of unbelievers who are like that too. And we need to see that our confidence is not in the way we're wired. Our confidence is not in our fancy footwork. Our confidence is not just waking up and hoping that tomorrow will be a better day. No, our confidence is not the baseless confidence of the pagan, but the faithful assurance that is found in knowing the Lord. And that is a word of us who are more wired to think that everything will be all right on the night. Well, sometimes it won't. But with the Lord, it cannot be bad. And so... Also, as we think about the world who spends billions trying to find security, what good news do we have to share with friends and neighbours? When the topic of security comes up, insurance, rest, peace, how can we find it? True security is found in the Lord alone. And it is my hope and my prayer that for the coming year, we will be investing ourselves 100% putting all our eggs in the basket of the Lord and trusting in his care, his faithfulness as a refuge. And so it's right that Henry leads us in prayer now as we commit ourselves to the Lord.